I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. My next conversation, I, I had a blast with Joanna and Orlando, the producer and the director of the new film called uh, uh, The White Helmets. I was almost going to just call it White Helmets, but The White Helmets. Just released on Netflix. You're going to hear more about these guys. They've been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. They are a small group, I guess. Uh, the film is about a small group of you know uh, volunteer heroes, I guess you could say, and, and, and what they're up to in Syria and how they're saving lives and how they're pushing back socially and politically and we talk uh, about a great deal of, of things in, in this interview and I, I think the conversation almost went on as long as the film does. Uh, it's a 40 minute film and like I said, check it out, it's, it's online now, it's on Netflix. Um, you're going to love it. It's, uh, it's like nothing you've ever seen before and, and it is going to, I think, raise some questions for you. It humanizes the Syrian crisis in a way that I haven't quite seen before. Um, it's The White Helmets, uh, and we're having a conversation here today on rabble.ca about it. DavidPeckLive.com for more information about my speaking and my book, Real Change, is incremental. Uh, wait for it. Uh, conversation coming up with uh, Joanna and Orlando about their new film, The White Helmets. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined uh, once again by a couple of very special guests here at the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, here to talk uh, uh, about their film, White Helmets and also an organization, uh, which I think we're probably going to talk a little bit about as well. Uh, thanks for both of you for joining us. Why don't, why don't you do a quick inter introduction, uh, and then maybe one of you or both of you tell us a tiny bit about the film. And premiering in Shortcuts, is that right? Yes. That's right, yes. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm Orlando von Einzadel. Um I directed the film. And hi, I'm Joanna Nassigar. I'm the producer of White Helmets. So, so give our listeners, uh, I can do it, but I'm going to ask you to do it instead. Uh, give us the overview of uh, the 20, 21 minutes? 20? For, 40 Sorry, minutes. Sorry, 40, 40 minutes. No, don't, 40. don't worry. Yeah. 
Okay, um, it's uh, The White Helmets is a film about real heroes. It's about mm. ordinary mm. Syrian civilians just like you or me who every day wake up and risk their lives by running into the smoke and fire after an airstrike and they pull out and save the lives of complete strangers. Um, so it's about real heroes. I, I mean, it's on the, to say that it's inspirational, I think, is an understatement, really. You know, um, and I think what it does for me too is it humanizes a problem that's been so uh, we've been so disconnected from, and so I and mean, you know, people that I hang out with, you know, if the Middle East does come up, it's kind of well, no one really understands that anyway. You know, there's always this sort of it's it's kind of brushed under the table, right, or under the carpet, which is even worse, frankly. So I, I love I love the way you have humanized such a profound, tragic problem. I mean, I think, I think, thank you. Um, I think what you're saying is is one of the the main things which drew us to this story. Um, you're right, Syria especially is it's so hard to engage with. It's so sad. It's so tragic. Um, and, you know, and but these guys, the white helmets, who can argue with people just trying to save innocent lives? Um, and I mean it, that that's what drew us to this story. It's 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 the story in Syria has been dominated by ISIS um and by the mm. refugee crisis and and those are clearly important stories but this story is a story of hope and it's also a story which brings the focus back to what the millions of Syrian civilians go through every day and that is um running for their lives from the bombs chucked out of War, uh, airplanes by the Assad regime and its allies. How do you get? How do you get pulled into a story like this? Is it? Is it an email? Uh, have you seen the film Silvered Water, for instance? Mm-hmm. A very interesting Syrian film that was uh, a filmmaker who was uh, in exile in France, mm. uh, um, and someone connected with him in Aleppo. Mm. Uh, this is two or three years old on Facebook. They, she, he ends up directing her as yeah, the wow. DOP yeah. on the ground. Fascinating, and and had you know Facebook not existed, maybe the film wouldn't have been made. Right. It's, and it's mm-hmm. a difficult, tragic film. And there's little yeah. bits and pieces of that I see in yours as well, or at least the story, I should say. Yeah. So how did it, how did it start? Is it an email? Is it a? Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I mean, and you're right. Often stories find you, but with this one, we we saw the footage of the baby that gets pulled out the very famous right. rescue of, of the miracle baby how can you not be moved by that this mm. baby is less than a month old um, and that just really drew us to tell this story which in some ways is a continuation of, of the work that we did in Virunga we there we were looking at African civil servants here we're looking at civilian volunteers in, on the ground in Syria so I, I think the interesting thing about what you're saying is we certainly see this as a as a kind of collaboration. We were mm. we were not on the ground filming in Syria. We we very much use the footage, the work of the White Helmets themselves that take all the risk on the ground, collecting this footage of the of their own rescues, and then we worked with them to to film in Turkey when they're in relative safety, getting extra training for the work that they do, 
and the work is really the the, the amalgamation of those two kinds of footage. So just to be clear, because I, I kind of smiled slash laughed out loud when I saw the cinematographers uh, listed at the credits. It's the three guys you interview, isn't it? Essentially, or two of them, maybe? No, oh, it's not. not. Oh, no, I thought no. it was. So I we, just we, I thought, we, oh, that's that's awesome yeah. no, yeah, because there's so much handheld, right? Similar yeah. names. Yes, yeah. yes, but there's so much handheld footage. I just yeah. you know I thought maybe the guys had you know I don't know. Go yes, no, GoPros well, as they were. Is, yeah, they do have GoPros and and wow. and Halle, the, the key ticket cinematographer who is cinematographer is a white helmet, but um, the other two are his collaborators. So, but our, our DOP spent a long time with Halid on the ground in Turkey, really honing his skills. He already had a lot of skills, but he's only 21. Wow, wow. So is that, did you have to collect any of that footage elsewhere or was that all from, from your contacts? Because this, this is some astounding footage in the film. There really is. I mean, I think, I think there's, a news, there's a news piece or two in the film, but, but other than that, the footage was filmed by Halid Khatib, um, his two colleagues, uh, and then maybe another ten percent was from the wider archive of the the White Helmets themselves. How did anyone not die in that establishing shot? Mm. I mean, you know, the, the 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 tragedy of this situation is that the White Helmets, um, you know, they 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 are killed with hor- horrendous frequency. One hundred and forty of them have died in the last few years. Um, the the Washington Post recently called what they do the most dangerous job in the world. <laughs> Interesting. I thought an accountant on Wall Street was that uh, the most dangerous job in the world. Yeah. Not anymore. Not anymore. That's right. They've been bumped to number two. Yes. Mm. I think you know. For me, I. What is it that compels somebody? I mean, I, I, I teach in international development, as my listeners know, and every year I have sixty-five students who want to change the world, and 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 I want to change the world, and I believe in the splash and ripple effect and all those things. Mm. What is it that motivates somebody like these these white helmets to do what they do? I mean, there's some of the the line, you know, it's it's my obligation, it's my duty, you know. They they say, uh, why? <laughs> well, I think it's a really good question. I think if me me and Joanna have, have asked ourselves, would would we do the same? Right. You know, if if a war like what's happened in Syria was in London or New York, or here in Toronto, would 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 we would we risk our lives? Would we flee or would we stay? And every day wake up and try and save strangers, and and I really hope that I would, but but I I, I just don't know. I mean, what these guys do is is extraordinary, mm. and I think one of the the most moving moments in making this film is when we were in Turkey. Um, these guys they were there for five weeks, and at any point they could have left. Mm. They could have gone to complete safety, um, and they couldn't wait to get back and the day they left not a single one was in doubt they all got back in that coach and they drove across the border and the next day they were doing the exact same work again and it I mean it was a very emotional moment for us because these were people that we became very good friends with Mm, Um, but also it it just shows how extraordinary well there's a sense in which and I just thought of it now that that there's a there's an anticipation that comes out in, in some of the footage, mm. they can't wait <laughs> to get out there to save lives, mm. which I guess is what you want to do if mm. you've got somebody, you know, coming to help you out of bombed out rubble. Yeah. You want them to be acting quickly, right? Yeah. But there, there's a there's an energy there. There's a passion. There's a oh, level yeah. of commitment to this that's oh, yeah. astounding. 
Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, the sheer level of compassion mm, these compassion, guys have great. Yeah. is just wonderful. I mean, yeah, there's a scene in the film where Abu Omar talks about that, and he talks about the you know the sheer joy of saving life, right. and that you know in in response to this death and destruction, you know, just saving that one life, which is of course their motto. But he talks about it on a very personal level and what that how that makes him feel. I suppose if you're going to be addicted to something, that that's possibly the best thing. To, you know, to want to keep doing over and over again. So and I think that's where they get their energy from. Every time they pull a child out of the rubble and know that that child is going to live, it just it gets them up the next day to do it again. You know, it's you don't have to turn to too many news channels to hear a lot of um, uh, anti-Muslim rhetoric, it seems to me. And, uh, um, and his name rhymes with dump. And, um, you know, that's probably maybe actually it's kind of an interesting way to sort of Put, put it out there but it, it's not just Trump I mean it's all mm-hmm. over right mm-hmm. it really is all over and it's um, I think for me anyway you've, you've put a, a really a, a beautiful uh, human face again mm-hmm. uh, on uh, and, and there's really no other face you can put on it mm-hmm. on, on Islam is that is that a fair statement? I mean, was that really intentional, or did that just sort of play out as you started to edit the film? I think we can talk about that separately. I mean, certainly, I I have a, a degree in Indian religions and mm. had studied Quranic nice. Arabic, so um, I was expecting to, you know a much a much broader picture of Islam. Understood that it could be that kind of driver, and certainly we found that faith was a real driver for them. They were these were very religious men. Yeah. Uh, the most gentle uh, form of that faith which actually motivated them to do this work. The, their motto, to save one life, is to save all of humanity, is which, a Quranic phrase. Which is so great. Yeah. I didn't know that, but what yeah. a great phrase, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, that's, that, if we yeah. should, that should be on everyone's T-shirt, I right? Should, yeah. And everyone's bumper. Yeah, absolutely. But I, but I think Orlando can speak to that too. Uh, I mean, I, you know, un, unlike Joanna, I, I'd, I'd spent a lot less time Working in the Middle East, um, and you know, maybe maybe I di- maybe I did come to this with some ideas about what it might be like and what these guys might be like. Um, but what we found were a group of very gentle, very humble guys, um, and and also guys with real hope despite mm. everything that mm. they've been through. Yeah, the I mean, it's so easy to to just sort of. Um What's the word I'm looking for here? You know, kind of acquiesce towards the status quo in a sense of our understanding of others. And I've spent a lot of time overseas. And once you're on the ground, things change, right? Mm-hmm. Once you've got real uh, uh, face-to-face contact, once you have, forget about, you know, maybe, maybe you know, Skype is good. But, boy, there's nothing quite like sitting down and having a coffee with somebody from another culture, mm-hmm. from another uh, place. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose just to come back to your question, did did we want to try and show, um, you know, these 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 Muslim guys in in a particularly positive light? I mean, that was just a product of filming with them. It it wasn't it wasn't something that we set out to and we edited in a way to make them look better. No, I mean, what what you see in that film is is how they are. Yeah, well, how could you not make them look good? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think you're right. The com- the compassion really comes out. In, in the inter- interview footage of you have with these guys, and I got to say, so many moments in it I, I loved. But uh, one of my favorite lines is, uh, and I don't know who it was, but said somebody said, "Get me a crowbar. I need to look under the mattress." How mm-hmm. utterly, Talent, yeah. how utterly mm-hmm. absurd, yeah. right? Absurd. I mean, it yeah. makes sense in the context of yeah. what the heck a barrel bomb has just landed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes perfect sense, but it, it's just utterly absurd. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, so much of the footage uh, that we saw, we, we couldn't show. So much mm. you know, more of that compassion. So many of the stories they told us about their rescues. I mean, there's one that really stands out with, with Hikmat, who's, who's is actually not a main character in the film. But he sort of talks to us halfway through filming about how they don't just pull out the living, which are, of course, the most mm. inspiring stories, right. but they, right. they bury the dead. Right. You know, they physically bury the dead. And the level of compassion that it takes to, the, you know, to take that person back to their family and to let that family, you know, begin to grieve for that person and then go and physically dig, dig a grave and bury that person is just something I can't conceive of. I'm yeah. Really not. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, you'd like, you know, to your comment earlier about you'd like to think that you would do the same. Um, but, you know, there's a guy, you know, here I was down on King Street the other day and uh, there's a guy sitting in front of the Starbucks next to the industry center at the, the festival. And he's there, um, you know, begging for money, asking for money, and he's got a sign. I think he tell, I'll tell a joke for, for some money. And I don't think I can equate this to the bombing of Aleppo, but the tendency is to walk on by, mm-hmm. right? The tendency mm-hmm. is not even to make eye contact. Mm-hmm. So, so, but maybe in a, in a, in a more, hmm, I don't know, compelling or a more dangerous situation, we'd all rise to the occasion, you know? It's the kind of stuff of, you know, arguments at Christmas time are made of, you know? Yeah. Sitting around the table, and once somebody will say something, you'll go, hang on a minute. Well, well, I mean, I suppose what I can say to that is, um, like I said, I don't I don't know if, if, if I would do that. I just don't know until I'm faced with it. But I can certainly say that having spent time with these guys... I'm I'm more likely to do it because they've right. inspired nice. me, and no, I and awesome. I really and I really hope if there's one thing that audiences take away from this, it's th- it's that they have hope in humanity mm. from these guys, which is kind of crazy in a which way, which is crazy, right? right? To think that they, they have, have hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Times they have agency. Totally, and and maybe maybe people will also you know want to be better people themselves. Well, and and you know what's so great is um, in the interviews the the their their uh, you've really captured their um, the ethos the 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 demeanor of them as well. Like it really comes through. It comes through their skin. You can see it. You can see it in their eyes. And I mean, uh, remarkable, really. was that a really conscious choice to the, I, I don't know, it just struck me near the, near the end of the film, the interviews are so sort of symmetrical and, you know, I thought of geometry and how perfect they are, the line and the uniforms and the structure and then bam into this crosscut with this crazy insanity. Was that an intentional choice or? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, have to pa- works really well. <laughs> I have to certainly pass credit for the geometry to our, our cinematographer. Yes, yes. Um, and the award-winning cinematographer. And the award-winning, yes, he yes, is. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the, the choice of having them look down the camera, that, that was very, I mean, you know, that was a choice we made. Um, we, we felt that we wanted them to relay their story directly to the audience without going through the filter mm. of looking mm. off camera to a, an invisible director it just it just felt right their story is so strong they they tell it so well um and we wanted to try and minimize the the connect the, the distance between the connection between them and the viewer so is there something that they know that we don't you know, with, what's the line? Without hope, what good is life? I mean, honestly, there's yeah. no, there is absolutely <laughs> no cynicism. No, there right? really isn't. Not that an actually, ounce of cynicism. Actually, that is 
absolutely true. And and uh, another thing that was interesting about them is that they maintained humour throughout, <laughs> almost you know almost to a I man. Yeah, you'd these guys have had a to. really good sense of humour, um, and they were very very mindful to take care of us, weren't they? Which was just beyond ironic, really. Always concerned with our, you know, were we eating enough? Were we sleeping enough? Right. Were we were we right. upset? Right. You know. Um, but you're right. You know, just totally lacking in cynicism and I suppose that yeah, again that's a lesson for us all that it really is yeah. and, there, and we know it's, it's clearly connected to the hope and maybe to the the, the, uh, the faith, faith side of things yeah. it seems to me you know I mean mm. if you're hoping in something other and something bigger than yourself you've got to have you've mm. got to have something like that it seems to me driving you if, mm. if you want to change the world in some significant way because there's kind of a hubris there right mm -hmm. there's kind of an ego attached to it I mean those guys are just responding I suppose Right? What else would we do? What What are you crazy? I wouldn't behave any other way. That's That's what the sense I get from them. I suppose the, the you know the alternative is inaction, isn't it? Right. Which right. is right. untenable in that situation. You can't sit around and, and do nothing and and watch it happen. That's not an appropriate response. You know, in any in any way. So I suppose they feel this is the only appropriate response. I um I don't know who it was who said it, but um uh. Camera. I don't know where the camera was at this point, but somebody was moving in and said, "People who <laughs> laughed out loud. People who are not doing anything, please leave." Right? And I couldn't help but think that this was like a, I don't know. Again, intentional. I edit most editorial choices are pretty pretty intentional. Uh, almost like this. This is the, the 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 on the white sign out in front of the theater. Right? If you're not interested in action, then get the hell out of here. Like, we don't even want you in the audience, thanks very much. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's maybe not exactly what you wanted to say, but but uh, that's that's kind of where I went. Sure, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, I, I don't think I've got much to add, but... Um. <laughs> so, so get the hell out is, is sort of the message, really, of White Helmets. Is, yeah, yeah. I'm so, hoping it's get the hell in. And, get the know. hell in, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so... so uh, has the madness of the festival begun for you guys yet? You've been here a couple of days, and uh... well, we oh, we have a you know this film we have a short a very short festival run. Mm. We we were in Telluride last last week um, for our world premiere. This week we're here in Toronto, and then um, very excitingly on Friday, um, on the sixteenth of September, we launch on Netflix. Nice. Um, yeah, so I mean that, that's exciting for us because this film will get seen in 190 countries in 83 yeah. million households, um, and you know that for us was a big decision in in working with Netflix. It was to get this story to as wide an audience as possible, and yeah, we're excited to see for the world to mm -hmm. to see these guys, and and hopefully they'll they'll feel the same way. Can I we ask have a couple couple more questions? The white helmets, obviously conscious choice, and you guys probably didn't have anything to do with the actual color of the helmets, but is, is this their response to the um, inefficacy of the blue helmets? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't want to speak. Unfair question, really. I, I mean, actually, I think, you know, they needed helmets. I, yeah. I think the actual <laughs> real right. story is that um, somebody sent them helmets and they were the cheapest ones. Right. I think that's right. the actual right. The actual. Right. Well, it's such a great metaphor for so many things, and 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 everyone loves to lob stones at the UN, right? I mm -hmm. mean, they really do. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, I just just mm -hmm. wondered if it was one of those sort of inaction versus action kind of uh, things again. Mm. Well, I guess you know, I would I would still say this is all about the agency of the individual. Mm. So, 
So uh, can you tell us, uh, as we wrap up here, a little bit about the, the, the organization? The, there is an action. And they're up for, are they up for a Nobel Prize? They are up that? for a Nobel Prize. Yes, yeah. they're, they're up for a Nobel Prize this year. And actually, uh, just today, in the New York Times, it was announced there's a whole string of celebrity endorsers that are sort of saying, actually, wow. we back these guys for the Nobel. Who else could win the Nobel? Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, it's really great. And we hope that this is the year of the White Helmets together with nice. this film. That sounds so. like a movement, actually. <laughs> it really does, seriously. Oh, well, it, it is. Yeah, oh. we got me to get me to, me to we behind you and the Kielbergers or something along those lines. And, and, and all of a sudden, you're getting this out into a whole other level. I mean, I could see this going into high schools and campaigns. So I've spent a tiny bit of time on whitehelmets.org. Mm-hmm. Is that where we need people to go? That is exactly where we want people to go, whitehelmets.org. And um, and you can support you can support the White Helmets yourselves. If, you know, if you're moved by their story in this film, um, you can donate money and it, it's called the Hero Fund. And it's for White Helmets who've been injured in the line of duty and um, and the families of those who've who've been killed can I ask one last question yes so, of course. so I think it's after a particular airstrike in the film and, and one of the white helmets I think says in the interview that suffering of civilians has entered uh, into a new chapter and it might seem like a weird place to end the interview but I I, I hope we go in a particular way but um, if that's true I mean why are these guys hopeful why, why are you guys hopeful you know why are you so glad that it's you know it's going to get into a hundred? What is it? One hundred and ninety countries around mm-hmm. around the world on Netflix. I suppose I would leave you asking the question: What is the alternative? Mm. There is no alternative to hope. So um, we saw that with them. We saw it, we saw it with the Rangers in Virunga, and I think we believe it as well. There, there is only hope. Pretty nice way to end the interview, it seems to me. Uh, talking to the filmmakers of, of White Helmets, the Canadian premiere. Um, catch it on Netflix on uh, coming up on the 16th and for of September. And for those of you who don't know, that is my birthday, so it is an important day. That's all I'm going to say. Happy birthday so for I'll, them. I'll look forward to the gifts. So thanks so much for your, for your time today. Really appreciate your generosity and congratulations on the film. It's, it's Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Give them a gift they'll never forget because they'll still have it years later. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age, like their iconic full zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. Because a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. So be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 